Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Military Trainers slash Aerobatic Aircraft Month 2022 here on this podcast. So, folks, today here um, on this podcast, we are going to be talking about three different military trainers for the month of 2022. So, this is going to be an awesome, awesome month of March. So, folks, I've really been looking forward to this um uh, for a long time now, I've been wanting to do it in April, but I just wanted to switch it to, um, uh, March, just because, uh, I couldn't wait that long, and it's, military trainers are cool to talk about. So, everybody, I hope you're all doing well, a couple quick announcements, and then we'll get to the episode. So, today, um, folks, I was not down at the, um, Planes of Fame live demo slash hangar talk once again. I was just busy with a lot of stuff, and, um, mostly just, uh, stuff around and things like that, and it's not really the best time to go when you're committed to something. So, everybody, um, also today we're going to be talking about the BT-13 Valint. So, the Volti BT-13 Valint is a basic training aircraft during the Second World War, and this is an awesome, awesome aircraft. It is one of my personal favorite trainers, just because it's a cool aircraft, cool-looking design. And, uh, folks, today we're going to be talking about it, so we'll see you guys on the back end. We hope you enjoy. I work for the Boeing Company. This airplane is a 1942 BT-13. It was a basic trainer. Almost every single military pilot in World War II had some stick time in this aircraft or an aircraft like this. Volte is a fairly unknown name in aircraft history. Uh, Volte bought out uh, Consolidated, who made the Catalina and the B-24, and then eventually became Convert, which most people do know who that is. This is a nine-cylinder Pratt Whitney R985. 450 horsepower. It's got a single-stage supercharger driven off the back of the crank. Originally, these airplanes had a two-position prop for takeoff and cruise, and this one has, like most of these that are left remaining, uh, has a constant speed prop. Of the over 11,000, almost 500 of them built, there are between 20 and 50 left in the world, and there's the number of flying is pretty close to 20, so that I that I know of. There's uh, now two flying in the state and a third one that just needs an annual, and that would be a pretty good number to have around. Uh, this airplane belongs to my uncle, lives in uh, Efreda, so I'm the one that gets to fly it, super, super lucky in that regard. Um, I've been flying uh, almost 21 years, um, been a flight instructor, and now just fly for enjoyment. I keep current by flying a Satabria, and then I get to fly this thing, last year I put about 35 hours on it. Uh, I got to fly it to Minnesota, uh, left it there for uh, a month at a company called Weep No More, and they resealed the wet wings. Uh, so that um, it's good to go. Um, most of these leak. The most common thing is people mistake this for a T6, um, which is understandable. They look very similar. They're actually within two inches of each other as far as the wingspan, length, height, all that stuff. This airplane has 50, about, I think, uh, 50 square feet less of wing area, but it also weighs a 1,000 pounds less. So whereas the T6 has a 600-horse motor, um, this isn't really hurting for performance. It flies, flies well. 
It's actually, if anything, easier to drive on the ground than Isotabri is and, and handles better. And you can make a crappy landing and the big struts take care of you. So and I, I've done that. So Volte was known as the first company that hired women on the line and paid them the same wage as the men were making. Um, they were built in uh, California. Um, it was also one of the first moving lines assembly that had, uh, and there was a, I'm trying to think, modular construction. So they wanted to be able to use the same tail cone on a P-66 Vanguard and some other aircraft that they created. Uh, and that explains why it has a symmetrical airfoil, unlike the T-6, which has a flat bottom and, mo and most aircraft. So it gives it some different handling qualities, but um, it's not too bad. So most of these after the war were gutted. They were sold. This airplane I just found out recently was uh, purchased by somebody for $775, all the stories you hear about, you know, getting an airplane full of gas and so forth, it happened. Uh, most of them were just uh, gutted for the Pratt & Whitney 450, which they put on Stearman's to make crop dusters out of them. And uh, they also took the wheels and brakes, which they actually suck. So I don't know why they did that. This airplane's been refitted with red lines, so it's, uh, it's actually great brakes on there now. As the war went on, and they were, uh, so the original planes were the blue and yellow, like a PT-19. They ditched the paint pretty quick. And then as the war went on, they actually started replacing these metal components with plywood. So they were actually using phenolic resin and layers of wood to create the entire tail cone, the outboard wing panels, the horizontal vertical stabilizer, all that stuff. So uh, the, the plane that's in Pasco, I've seen it up close. It only has a few of the wood components, like the floorboards that are inside the fuselage are wood. The stick, instead of being, you know, this military-looking stick, it's like a closet rod, but it's, you know, it's been painted silver and black on the end and all that. But the panels in this airplane are original. Uh, people have asked me a few times today when it was restored. It has never been restored. This is a survivor airplane. So uh, we'd like to be able to bring it to air shows and share it. I have put a bunch of kids in here today uh, or any adult that wants to sit in it. Um, I think it's just a way to share aviation with people. So. Radio equipment, of course, that radio equipment back then was, would be junk now. And this radio is not a whole lot better. A lot of people ask about the black mast on top. It's, uh, um, it's for the radio antenna. There used to be a wire that ran from there to the top of the vertical fin. Uh, now all that's been gone. So we do want to restore that and put the wire on here. So this is the front cockpit in this airplane. Um, and flown solo, it's done from the front because this is where you have to start the engine and run the radios from. Other than that, everything is in the back of the airplane. From, that's where the instructor would have ridden. This aircraft has manual flaps. Or they crank them down two degrees per turn. Maximum is 60 degrees of flaps. Uh, we don't need anything like that. I use 20 in this airplane. 20 is what we use for takeoff. 20 is a go around. Uh, we got enough stuff to try to manage a radial engine, so I figured 20 is nice for final. So, you know, the typical, you see this when you're looking at T6, the belly of the airplane is so far down there. And then your feet are on those runner boards. Standard instrumentation, nothing crazy. This one right here is your um, the triple gauge. It has your. It's the most important thing on the panel, really. It's the engine health oil pressure, oil temperature, and fuel pressure. Um, one of the coolest things about this airplane to me is the inertia starter. So it's got that sound that winds up and then, it, then when it engages the clutch and spins the motor over, it's just way cooler than a direct drive. So it's, it's pretty fun. But. All Mars, if you are sick of paying too much money for electric bills and you have a mirror that looks like this in your home, you can get paid today to switch to solar at no cost to you. It costs literally nothing to get the solar installed. You're not going to spend a dime out of pocket to go solar. And the best part is when you do have the solar panels, this meter, it'll actually run backwards and credit you on your electric bill so you don't have to make a bill payment ever again. 
Okay, so if you're looking to save $100, $200, or even $500 per month on your electric costs, click the link in this video right now. This program is first come, first serve, and it is expiring very, very soon, and these subsidies are being phased out. This whole program is actually sponsored by government and tax incentives. So the best part about it is when you do qualify for this, you will get paid thousands and thousands of dollars back on your taxes, on your tax return, just for switching to solar, switching to solar energy. And it's not going to be a cost at all to you out of pocket, okay? So click the link in this video. See if your home qualifies. You can still watch the video you came here to watch. We're just going to open up another window, and we're going to ask you a couple quick questions to make sure your home qualifies, because not all homes qualify, unfortunately, and that is the catch to this. Not every home qualifies. But fortunately, if you're seeing this video, you're probably in the area where your home may qualify. So click the link right now. Let's see if your home qualifies. Let's save you some money with solar. Homeowners, say goodbye to expensive solar panels. There's a new governmental clean energy program that your electric provider doesn't want you to know about. If you're lucky enough to live in a qualified zip code, you can get paid up to $2,500 to get Tesla solar panels and a Tesla Powerwall install on your home without paying for any of the equipment or any of the installation costs up front. There are no strings attached. Just an insanely cheap way to get the latest solar technology that could reduce your electric bill to zero. Once you have solar and a Tesla Powerwall installed, you'll no longer have to rely on the power grid. Your power will come from the sun, and it'll save you thousands of dollars on your electric bills over time. If you want to see if you qualify for this governmental clean energy program for free, just click the button below this video right now and answer a few simple questions about your home. There's no commitment to see if you qualify. It only takes 60 seconds, and it can save you a ton of money. So click the button below now before this video ends, and you lose your chance. Just look how much money all of these people are saving already. Before I went solar, I was paying between $270 and $365. I finally had my equipment installed. Finally, I'm down to $9.41. Before the system was energized, I was paying $3,500 a year to JCPNL. Now I have a zero electric. We're actually saving about $150 a month on our light bill, what it used to be. And it was shocking to see one month our light bill was only about 10 bucks. It's been over a year since it was turned on. We've had no electric bills from day one. In fact, because of renewable energy credits, we're actually making a little bit of money every month. I totally utility bill costs six months energy while having just a solar panel. You have to manually pump fuel pressure until you prime, and then the rest of the start sequence is pretty normal for anybody who started an airplane, other than we started the propeller in uh, full, full course pitch. They went all the oil used in the engine until the oil pressure was generally spikes at 100 PSI after it first starts up. When it comes down a little ways, then we can uh, move the prop lever forward, then we can start taxiing as soon as we get uh, placed up in the L range. So they'll do mag check, trim. All that stuff has a uh, rudder and elevator trim. Ele uh, ailerons are not trimmable, but they are adjustable uh, on the ground. Uh, we've not had to do that. The original radio stack would have consumed this entire bay over here on the side. Um, you can just see a couple of things I have for cross-country travel, the in-reach explorer, so that people can see where I'm at, uh, even better than ALT, really. And I just have this standby radio for emergencies. I don't need that. Uh, hooker harnesses, all that. makes a pretty comfortable ride. Um, play room, front and back. Uh, there's a very small baggage compartment in the back. You can see that. Uh, you can see the canvas top on that box back there, and then the access panel on the side. Uh, there's some crazy features about this aircraft when people uh, get to it. So this is a you know the welded steel tube, 
And then the tail cone is held on with three bolts. So you can see one of them is at the top, and then there's two down at the bottom, one on each side. And that holds that entire cone on. It doesn't carry all the loads because obviously the, the rings transfer load that way. But yeah, people find that out. They're like, what? They think that's the reason it's placarded against spins. The reason it's placarded against spins is because it doesn't recover normally. Yeah, there's a different technique, and if it doesn't recover in you know two turns instead of the rudder, you can't certify it that way. So that's what, so that's why it's placarded. It's not that it's not a strong airplane. I would not do any snappable maneuvers in planes this old anyway. So 60 gallons of fuel each side. Uh, there's a fuel gauge you can see straight down there, um, showing about 40, 40 gallons right here on this tank. Uh, it is actually reading low because once the airplane comes up level, it'll increase a little bit. And then there's the fuel selector here. Um, so you're running on one, one tank. The reserve tank is on the right. It's not a real extra tank. There's just a stand pipe in there that you'd run out if you only had 17 gallons left. And if you hit reserve, then you've got 17 gallons. So it's pretty simple. Uh, similar to the T6, although I think its reserve tank is left side. Fly with the canopy open as much as I can. Cruising altitude is as low as I think I can legally get away with. Um, it's just a fun, fun airplane to fly across country. It's pretty good. Ride's good. Uh, Speed-wise, 120 knots. You know, we've, an airplane like this is all about preserving the engine and the history and all that. So I'm not running wide open in an air show routine. We don't have a huge budget for next engine, so uh, we pull it back like you see the Kenmore Beavers flying. So, and that's the same engine that those planes, same engine as the Twin Beach and uh, the Lockheed Electric. Thankfully, there's uh, the engine is the thing you'd most like to need parts on as long as you don't wreck the airplane. Um, there's no parts for these. It's getting to be you're scraping for those last things like brake master cylinders and struts and canopy frames, things like that. You just you can't get them. So my very first airplane ride was with Bud Granley. Um, he took me for a ride in my uncle's T6 that he bought in 1977 or something like that. And uh, so my uncle was going to learn how to fly in that airplane, but he wanted me to get a ride. So Bud took me up in that plane and over Somerset, we were doing loops and rolls and cubidates. And uh, that's why I'm here today, actually. Next Insurance is an online insurance provider specifically for small businesses with customer satisfaction as Sorry, I unplugged my book. So, everybody, that was our episode on the BT-13 Volti Valence. So, everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Braden Piscopo. And we'll see you guys next time here on the Sunplane Podcast. So long for now, everybody.